Hey, everybody. This is Patrick, the Chief Monkey and founder of Wall Street Oasis. Just wanted to first off say thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Second, wanted to make sure for any of you in the market for financial modeling training, remind you that Wall Street Oasis does have some incredible financial modeling training courses, including Excel modeling, financial statement through, you know, linking up the three statements, DCF, valuation, M&A, LBO, um, even more niche courses like 13-week cash flow, venture capital course, real estate modeling, you name it. Go ahead and check them out at wallstreetoasis.com slash courses. Thanks for the support. Hello and welcome. I'm Patrick Curtis, your host and chief monkey, and this is the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Join me as I talk to some of the community's most successful and inspirational members to gain valuable insight into different career paths and life in general. Let's get to it. In this episode, Chicago 13 shares his winding path graduating from Berkeley in 2006 and trying to make it big by building apps and living in the startup ecosystem in Silicon Valley. Listen to why it didn't work out, along with some words of warning, what the main turning point was, and why he ended up getting his JD and jumping into big law, only to leave one year later to join a middle market investment bank. Learn about the common associate struggles starting out in IB, why he was screamed at during a holiday party, and how he managed to overcome those obstacles to get promoted to VP. Enjoy. All right, Chicago 13, thanks so much for joining the Wall Street Oasis podcast. Hey, thank you, Patrick. Good to join. So it'd be awesome if you could just give the listeners a quick uh, summary of your bio. Sure, happy to do that. Um, So I grew up on the West Coast. I went to school at UC Berkeley, uh, spent some time out there in the early 2000s, um, and graduated when the economy was great. Uh, chose kind of the complete route, completely different route than what was expected, and I went um, uh, went the startup route. Uh, I didn't didn't follow my uh, didn't follow my friends into corporate or go to med school like my parents wanted me to. So I did that for a little bit. Worked for a lot of various startups. Um, it was a pretty exciting time to be in the Bay Area. It was when the app store was just taking off. So people were creating all these um, kind of dorky little apps. I try to do the same. You know, there are apps like, you know, message in a bottle and you know, there are other messages. The other ones were, you know, it would give you times of when the syrup would come in. When so, the what? So very uncool. Like like the low tide and high tide when, oh, when cool. that would be. Yeah, yeah. So it's just an app. It's like basically a calendar. So I mean, did, we kind of messed around a lot with stupid stuff like that. But mm-hmm. did that for a bit. Um, the last startup that I worked at was a, uh, airline company and I think I was hired to do kind of their backend reservation system mm. and they kind of moved me over to a more project management role. So did that for a little bit. And then kind of a turning point was when I was uh, sleeping in my car cause I didn't want to bother my friends too much. I've been doing that for months. So, uh, living out of a car for about a week. Um, and I was like, Hey, I need to do something more stable. Uh, I remember parking into like uh, you know nice Palo Alto homes in the areas, and then kind of sleeping in um, in my car, and then leaving right before the um, the uh, the joggers would come out. Um, so I did that. I was getting a stipend for like 500 bucks a month at the startup, mm-hmm. and then like was promised like all these great options, but I don't think that really materialized. So doing that, I was like, I can't do this anymore. So I took the LSAT, uh, surprisingly did well without much preparation. Uh, then went to law school. Um, so did that, got a good scholarship, and then went in with the idea of doing um, IP law. 
because mm-hmm. that, that kind of married my interest of uh, tech, yep. the legal protections and also technology. So I did that for a bit in law school and focused on that. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of soon found out um, that wasn't for me, um, you know, through coursework and through my internships, uh, you know, in the summertime. So I ended up going the, the, the corporate law route, uh, really focused on M&A and corporate finance and did that at a, um, you know, top 10, uh, you know, New York based law firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, did that for about a year, um, really focused on M&A. Um, didn't like it too much. Uh, I felt like as a lawyer that I was the last to know anything on the deal. And when I would ask people or ask my partner, you know, why did we make this decision? Why do we concede on this or that provision? The answer was always, hey, that's a business decision for business guys. And I was like, uh, hey, I want to be a business guy. I want to understand what's going on. So I started looking at uh, different opportunities in investment banking, uh, made the switch in about a year. Uh, so I've been at my current bank. Um, it's a middle market bank, mm-hmm. um, uh, really focused on technology and business services. I've been doing that for about six years now. That's awesome. Uh, now no, it's like I started as associate, rose up to a VP. Yes. Uh, so yeah, uh, kind of a, but you started when you went from law school to banking, you were able to transition as an associate, right? Like a first year associate basically. I was. Yeah. And to be yeah. honest, it was a tough transition because I, I'm sure, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to manage these, these analysts who know everything. They've been at the bank for two or three years and well, let's, I had let's never start, taken let's start before. Let's start earlier. Cause I, I think there's some really interesting yeah. stuff to unpack. Um, let's go back to Berkeley. So West coast kid, you're kind of, you get into Berkeley, you're obviously pretty sharp because Berkeley's not easy to get, get into. Um, and you are, what's, what are you doing there? Like, oh, did you want to major in certain, you know, your parents are pushing you to med school. So were you like pre-med to start? Yeah, I was pre-med for a year. I had no idea what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so my, I'm, I come from a background of, um, my families are all professionals. It's all they know. So anything entrepreneurial, anything in finance, they don't know what that is. So like what, what kind of professionals? Uh, when I told medicine, them, like medicine and lawyer and lawyer, legal and. Yeah, medicine and lawyers. Yeah, yeah. basically okay. medicine and lawyers. Yeah, okay. fair. And so, so when, that's all I knew. When you told them I'm going to do startups because it's 06 when you're graduating and everything's super hot um, in Silicon Valley, what was the response? Yeah, so that was, uh, I mean, it was, they thought I was pretty dumb. <laughs> I kind of tend to agree. Uh, I think maybe for me, I didn't have the technical background. I just kind of picked it up. Um, I picked up programming um, and, and just tried it out. I just wanted to, I wanted to do something with my friends. Um, I think that was probably the wrong decision. But tell Actually, me, at let, the let's, time, let's, I let's unpack that because I think a lot of kids had that. Yeah. Maybe not so much now with everything going on. Everyone's looking for safety now with COVID. But tell me, let's yeah. unpack like that, that idea of in a frothy market, maybe not 06, but maybe like, you know, even a year ago, people were maybe thinking, hey, startups are where it's at. Tell me like what went into the thought process. Maybe it wasn't much, but maybe it was just, hey, I want to work with my friends. I think we could make this work because we're smart guys or gals. And what happened? Like, what was the first attempt? And did you have any sort of cash flow coming in when you first graduated? Like, was there something leading up to that that gave you confidence that you could do it? Uh, well, I had really bright friends. So it's kind of, um, you know, going off their ideas and kind of going off their technical experience. Um, I think we really got caught up in the idea of um, the dream, basically. Of, you know, we were seeing all these, what we thought were dumb companies come up and just create amazing products that everyone started using. And we thought it was not bad ideas. It turned out to be great. I mean, I, mem- I remember there was a guy called um, Justin TV and he just recorded himself, just, um, you know, doing, playing video games, walking around. Yeah. It actually became Twitch. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> that so is- we thought, 
if you did anything in tech related, I thought, you know, there's a chance of, um, you know, making it big. Um, and I, I certainly think that my friends had the, op- had these skills and kind of the, the drive and kind of the, um, the vision to do that. So where did you come in? Myself, were, you, were you the business? <laughs> were you supposed to be the business person? Or just I was supposed to be the business person. I got a, I got groped into coding part of it too, because um, if, there, if you can't sell your product, no one's buying it, then there's not much for you to do. So, so I got me, more into the development side of it. So this is, you graduated 06 in what, May or June, mm-hmm. you guys finished classes and then like, in, you, in May. Yeah. and then like, how much do you have to your name? Are your parents still funding you? How do you convince them to actually pay your rent? Or are you just, cause like at this point, it sounds like you're really just starting up with a couple friends. Is that accurate? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I think that's right. That's right. So, I mean, I had a couple savings just from working in the summertime. Mm-hmm. So I had thoughts about going to law school. Um, so I had, I worked at a law firm for, you know, a year in the summer time before that. So had had a bit of savings. Wasn't really expense. I wasn't living expensively. Um, I was living in like a one bedroom with like two other people. So, you, had, you had like um, what, $20,000 or something saved, something like that. Yeah, about like fifteen thousand. Fifteen, yeah. yeah. So you can you can stretch yeah. that if you live really cheaply. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can. And then uh, I remember I had a bus pass. I like bought like a bus sticker off a, a current student at Berkeley when I graduated. Nice. Did that to get around. So very cool. Yeah, it was interesting times. So you were hustling. So okay. <laughs> so you're starting one thing to the next. Did you ever have an idea that started kind of getting traction or any revenue from any of these ideas? And and because it sounds like you didn't go to law school t- for four years. Yeah, I didn't go to law school for, for four years. So Yeah, so um, you were trying for yeah. a while. Like you kept kept at it. So tell me like the ups any any sort of exciting kind of trends in there. It sounds like you eventually joined a slightly larger startup, the airline one, to kind of maybe try and get something more stable, but for some reason they were kind of not paying you or paying you really, really low. Um, can you tell yeah, me about that was, and like what to, yeah. Can you tell yeah. me what to look out for for kids that like because you're obviously a sharp kid, but like is it because you didn't have like any sort of skill set you could bring or point to? Like, why did you, why do you feel like they were able to do that and pay you so little at a great financial crisis? Yeah, I, <laughs> like, no, no. I, I think for me it was, um, it sounded cool. I mean, that's, that's kind of a simple answer. Probably not the best answer, but, mm-hmm. um, but I think they found naive kids like me. I think everyone that I worked with was pretty bright. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, they're just fresh grads um, or, or newly grads. Um, and, and the opportunity mm-hmm. to work, on a, on a private airline company was, was pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, I got roped in that way. Uh, we thought that we were building, I think, I mean, they became something substantial. So I think in the end it did work out. Um, but at the time when I was there, uh, it was a lot of hurdles or regulatory hurdles. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think uh, a kind of a, a warning sign for kids, maybe when, they, when they're choosing startup opportunities um, is looking at um, the strength of the founder. I mean, we had a, we had a strong founder, but I mean, it was just him. Um, I would tend to be, if I were to go back, I would look for people who, um, you know, are, have, have deeper teams, not just, not just one guy pretty much. And then, you know, one guy, you know, you want someone who lives and breathes stuff. Uh, I think my boss was more of a lifestyle kind of guy. You kind of see him once in a while, drop in, you know, try to be the cool guy. But um, if you really want to, if you really want to succeed in, in startups, it's a difficult world um, because you're not re- generating revenue, you're burning through cash. You want someone who's um, obsessed uh, with, with the product, mm. with the vision, uh, with their go-to-market strategy, everything. So, so um, I, would, I would say, you know, believe, believe, uh, follow someone who's super passionate, not just 
someone who's doing this on a, as, a, as a side gig or um, side passion. I think that's great. Or maybe somebody who's had have a few rounds of successful funding and are on the right trajectory, right? If you want to get that too, that too. Absolutely. Yeah. Or, too. So or super, or super early, but they're willing to kind of, um, not just say they're going to pay you, but like actually put something in writing and, um, maybe yeah. actually give you options. <laughs> well, you know, I, I got the, op- I got the did. options, but like, uh, it, I don't, it was not much. Yeah. And then, I mean, they, they were upfront about payment, but I think, you know, I think when you're hungry and when you're a kid or you're, when you're young, um, I think you just uh, go for the riskiest thing. And I would caution I guess, uh, the listeners that uh, don't always do that. Always protect yourself and, um, you know, take your time in, in, in taking opportunities. Like you don't have to rush into the first thing that you find. I, I made that mistake a lot. So you got it. You'd get excited by whatever company you're looking at and then just jump basically. And so how many different companies yeah. did you work for? I didn't know that airline was the last one, the private airline, but what was the, was there like five before? Was it you for the first couple of years with your buddies trying to make it work? Like what was the kind of trajectory of that? Yeah. So it was, um, I worked at probably, it was mostly groups of my friends initially. And then and I'm I worked trying, at, the reason, uh, the reason I'm asking this is because I really kind of want to break down like the ebbs and flows. Like, was it like obvious that there was a failure? Was it like there was middling success somewhere and you guys were like, then chase that for a year. You know what I mean? Like, was it, yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? That type of yeah. detail would be. Would yeah. Be- there, there, there was some success early on where there was interest, um, you know, with one of our apps. Um, so we, we chased that, that became nothing <laughs> in the end. Um, it, it, uh, and then we tried again. So that took about two and a half years or so. Yeah. And then um, I was running out of money, obviously. So I took a lot of temp jobs. So that kind of, um, that delayed kind of my, my switch over to law too. Um, at that I point, at when, you were, a, when you were yeah. sleeping in your car um, in Palo Alto and driving kind of um, just cause you had been sleeping on couches for your friends <laughs> places for a while yeah, yeah, and you didn't want to bother yeah. them. What's going through your head there? Are you, are your parents saying I told you so at any point? Like what's the, are they pushing you still to kind of consider law school? What was the whole dynamic? Yeah, no, my, my parents are, pretty cool my parents are east asian uh so they're from a background of you know education is everything but uh-huh. surprisingly my parents are pretty cool um, and uh yeah they were supportive i think they thought that i'd figure it out in the end mm-hmm. um and you did w- w- yeah <laughs> I, I, I hope so yeah yeah i i uh one one regret i have though is um i had a uh i don't know how i got this offer but straight out of college i got an offer to go to a large hedge fund mm. um wow. you know at the time, it was one of the largest hedge funds in the world, and uh, I didn't even know what, what a hedge fund was, but I somehow got the opportunity, and I turned it down to create like a surfing app. So I always feel like uh, <laughs> potentially maybe that was not the right decision. I love it. I and love then uh, looking back at my kind of how my career has progressed, um, you know, investment banking, you know, when you join, obviously, as, as you guys all know, if you join um, as an associate and move on up, those opportunities on the buy side is limited. You know, if that was something I wanted to pursue, it wouldn't be open to me today, I feel, or it'd be a lot harder. It's harder. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's still possible, yeah. but it's hard. So tell me a little bit about, so that kind of, that final straw that broke your back at sleep, you realize like, this is not sustainable. I'm getting like these tiny stipends working these temp jobs, you know, sleeping in my car, moving my car. Um, at that point, you're just like, I just got to take the LSA. I just got to go figure something out. Um, that was just kind of, yeah. like, did it come to you like one day or you're like, I just had enough? Like I'm. Yeah, I think when you're young, like you get to a certain point where 
um, you start comparing yourself to your friends. Uh, you do less of that in your 30s, but when you're in your early to mid 20s, you're like, am I getting behind in life? And I didn't know. Um, I, I just wanted, I just remember thinking, I just want to go to Safeway. Uh, it's a grocery store chain on the West Coast. And I just don't have to worry about you know, buying groceries. I remember that was a huge thought that I had. Yeah. And I was, uh, I didn't want to ask my parents for money because um, they, they paid for my college. So yeah. I felt like I did, I did, they did enough for me. I didn't want to ask for more. So I, I just wanted to be self, um, self-sufficient. Uh, I want to be self-sufficient. Yeah. Yeah. So. That was my big thing coming out of college. I just didn't want to like rely because my parents paid for my college. So I didn't want to rely anymore. I was like, that's enough. That was expensive, you know? Um, yeah. And so, yeah, I get it. So, okay. So you take the LSAT, you do well, you uh, get into a great law school with some, with some aid, it sounds like, which is awesome. Um, yeah. Package, sure. And then you end up going, you're kind of interested in IP. You end up going kind of just the, the big, big law, corporate law route with yeah. MFA and Corp Fin. And so had you, did you do a summer associate role like with, with that same firm, like that summer or one of the summers during? during uh, so no, I did not. So I actually, I, 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 summer, I did my summer associate at a different kind of big law firm that was more litigation focused. Okay. So tell me like what your thought process was, was finance ever even on the radar ever? I mean, you probably wouldn't be at law school. <laughs> it was, but yeah. was it ever on it, the radar? It wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. It, it okay. wasn't until I went, I did that summer internship, uh, my second, between my second and third year. So I, it was a um, litigation focused big law shop, mm. but, um, but they did, I did a rotation program across restructuring corporate IP. So they put me through the different rotations. Cool. And um, I thought I, I would like IP a lot and I didn't like it at all. Interesting. Um, and you're a little so, more, you found restructuring and the, the other side more interesting. Yeah, definitely. It was much more interesting. I felt like, um, yeah, I, I just felt like it was more teamwork oriented mm -hmm. um, where litigation is so adversarial. Like you play these little games, like, um, I feel like restructuring to, is pretty uh, adversarial. Uh, party. I feel like restructuring that, that, for you. I mean, when I was, I was, I was in restructuring at Rothschild for a couple of years and I remember those, those meetings and those negotiations, they were pretty, <laughs> pretty, pretty stressful, <laughs> they got pretty stressful and pretty heated. I mean, you're talking about like hundreds yeah. of millions of dollars and negotiating right there and back and forth. And it took years, um, to get to, to, to chapter 11, but, um, no one's happy. Yeah. In those, in those type of, discussions. no one's happy. Everyone's <laughs> losing. Oh, the bank's happy. And the, 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 the lawyers tend to be happy, right. Cause they're making bank, but, um, yeah. tell me about, so tell me about, so it kind of was a little bit on the radar and then, and then once you accepted kind of this big law firm and you started working at what point was it like within the first three months, you're like, this is not going to work out. And was it, was it hours? Was it pay? What was the and pay's pretty good for, at you know at the top firms you're making like a good 300k right a year so this is the first time you're making like bang. no you're you're making you're making your starting salary then was um and bill log was 160 uh it's, today it's oh, so it's like so it's like 200 okay yeah i'm thinking more like now but yeah. isn't it like with but with everything it's like two two thirty two forty. 240 i think now it may be yeah, yeah. okay now it may be okay so yeah. back then there, okay. so, so yeah okay so your your salary is similar to like the banking associate but your the bonus is nowhere near it no, there's like the bonus. I think my first year was like 10 grand. Yeah. Okay. So I think all in, it was like 170 and now it's like low 200s for, right. for kids out of law school. Okay. So that makes sense. So, but you're, you're, tell me about your hours there. It's brutal, right? Yeah, it was pretty, pretty brutal. I mean, up and down, up and down, but yeah. I mean, there's a uh, inconsistent and 
Yeah, it, it's uh, it's. I think it's similar to banking. Yeah. Um, but but your role is um, if I were to compare it to banking, your role is more sta- more more similar day to day. You do kind of the same thing over and over again. Whereas in banking, it's pretty dynamic depending on what phase of the process you're in. If you're doing M and A, fair. Or if you're doing okay. an equity offering or, or whatever. So you're kind of there for how long before you're thinking I got to get out of here? Yeah, I think within the first uh, three four months. So not, not very long. Um, and usually they try to take it pretty easy on you uh, to try to kind of buy, get you to buy into the firm culture and all that. But I was learning a lot, but at the same time, I wanted to learn faster. I mean, I was looking at the bankers on the other side of the deal and um, you know, they seemed to know more about what was going on. They were close to the client. They were advising the client from start to finish. Whereas I felt like as an attorney, uh, we were brought in as a hired gun at the hired very gun. end. Yeah. Uh, to, to like paper up decisions that have already been made. So I, I didn't feel involved in the, the decision making process. Mm-hmm. And um, I did, that was not, I don't know, for some reason that kind of didn't sit with me the right way. And I really wanted to think about how I was spending my time professionally. I wanted to be kind of the more, the most value additive for my, for my client. That's fair. Okay. So you, um, you kind of had this, this epiphany, okay, this is not the right place. So I want to go be those guys. I want to be in banking. So how the hell did you make that transition? <laughs> Cause it's super hard. You just spent three years getting a JD yeah. before yeah. that you just have startup experience. And then you're now yeah. at a big law firm. At least you're at a good firm. So there's some, yeah, respect, that a lot. there's some respect there. They're like, okay, well this, yeah. this guy's smart, but tell me how you went about just the, the entire networking process. Like what story was it that story you just told me? Was it kind of the similar thing? Like I want to be the one to understand this. Is that, is that kind of what you told them? Yeah, that, that was it. Yeah, basically. And the hardest part for me, I think the story was easy to tell. I think they, they believe that um, they're, they're qualities that carry over from lots of banking, mm-hmm. like attention to detail and you're hardworking they know you're going to grind. So they they don't have any concerns there. I think the burnout's actually higher in law. So they, they like that fact too. So, <laughs> and, they, and they comp is higher. So those are all positive aspects. Um, the comp is higher that, in what sense? The, the, the comp is higher at the law, at the big law firm than at like a middle market? No, no, no. Um, investment banking. Yeah, yeah. But it, so, so meeting the like, burnout yeah, is, yeah, yeah, okay. I get what you're saying. Okay. So yeah, you're coming from a worse place in, in, in bankers' minds coming from big law. So I think they are capable and you can put up a lot. So that's what I'm trying to say. So why would they um, hire you and not just some kid out of MBA? And how did you convince them to do that? Yeah, no, no, that was, uh, that was hard because I don't have the, the hardest part for me was the technical because I didn't, I didn't take a finance class. I didn't take accounting when I was in college or in law school. Yeah. So it was a matter of me just reaching out to people on LinkedIn, you know, using services like Wall Street, like Wall Street Oasis mm-hmm. and like using that type of service where you're um, trying to get coaching yep. um, for interviews. So yeah. I, I booked a couple of sessions um, through a competitor of yours and, mm-hmm. um, you know, got, got, got help that way. And that helped a lot. Yeah, that's yeah. big. Getting reps is like huge, um, especially if you yeah. have a technical background. So did you, so you're, you're kind of studying up on your technicals, your accounting, you doing any like financial modeling training too? I did. Yeah. Good. Good. Yeah. I signed up for, um, yeah, like train the street. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, got, got old guides from, my business school friends, like they would send me their old, uh, you know, train the street materials and, and looked over that. Yeah. Looked at a lot of YouTube videos, accounting for dummies even. Did that help? Yeah. Did you feel like you, you, it helped you become a little more dangerous in the interviews? I mean, I felt, yeah. I mean, I apparently after the fact, they thought my technicals were superb and I was blown away by that comment because 
I thought I had barely squeaked through. <laughs> I knew just enough to like squeeze, squeak by. And if they were to ask a level of questions next level deeper, I would have totally flay failed. So. so tell me, so tell me a little um, bit about that, that like that process. So how many, how many, like, it sounded like you were networking and talking with a lot of people. Um, so that was a good start. Um, like just coffee chats and stuff. And how did you find time given all you just sneaking out for lunch and stuff with, with bankers? Yeah, it was mostly on the phone. And then um, I was in New York at the time. So that makes it easier because yeah. um, you know, they're all in Midtown or you know, they're all concentrating in one area. Yep. And I, I just started with my friend group first um, yep. and then had friends of friends connect me. And then, uh, and then just went through that multiple times. And then and how long did somehow, it take for you to like start getting interviews? So I think I would say within um, within a month and a half or so, I Months started getting interviews after that. So pretty fast. fast, yeah. And then the and once you get an interview, it moves so fast. Um, it does. So you have no time to prepare. Is this yeah. is this was it one of the first places you interviewed at? Is where you ended up? Um, no, it was actually one of the last. I had trouble getting an offer. Uh, so tell me how many places. Yeah, tell me how. That doesn't surprise. I was going to be shocked if you like with the first place you talk with. No, how many places no, no, did no. you strike out with before you kind of got that offer? Um, I would say I don't know. I interviewed at so many places. I feel like maybe over ten. Ten, yeah. Well, okay. I, yeah. Did you start feeling? It was all sides. Not- it was like bulge brackets. You know, middle market. It was boutique. Is everything that I could just get my rep on. Like even though like it was a place I knew I didn't want to work work at, I would I'd still go for that interview because it was practice. Yeah. And so did you feel like, um, you got a lot better obviously as you went along, but in the tech, you got more confident with the technicals, all that stuff, your story got tightened up. Did you feel like at any point, like, I'm not going to, this is not going to happen. Like nobody makes this jump. Or um, did you feel like I'm gonna no, I, I, I was pretty, yeah, no, I, I thought I would get, I, I knew I would get something, but I just didn't know how given opportunity to be. So yeah. I had doubts about that. Yeah. Okay. So you finally kind of get through the, some final round at this middle market bank you're at now and things go well, you get the offer and I assume it's something like, you know, 125 base, but the bonus opportunity is just massive. Right. And it, was it specifically yeah. for like M&A group or? Uh, no, not, not specifically for M&A, but kind of M&A, more M&A focused. Um, I was in a uh, industry group. Have you heard of any uh, other technology. associates, uh, legal associates kind of jumping and making a similar move to you? I'm seeing more of it now. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm seeing more of people from my network reach out to me who are lawyers who want to make the jump. Um, but when I was, this is six, seven years ago or so, um, rare. I saw one or two examples, but not too many. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So you started as an associate. Tell me what the transition was like. You said you initially mentioned it was really hard, <laughs> but tell me why. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah. Because um, it, you have a lot of self-doubt when you start because you feel like you're not, I felt like I wasn't trained for any of this. Mm-hmm. I felt like, um, everyone else had the technical training and these are all things you can pick up. But you know, when you first join, you have these doubts and uh, you see the analysts you're supposed to be managing know so much more than you. Like they'll just run circles Imp- around you. Imposter syndrome or whatever they call it. The, yeah. Where you're like, you're, bit, yeah. you're just like, yeah. uh, I don't know. I can't do that. Like, I, I think that's super common even for MBA is for the analysts to run circles. So you shouldn't feel bad, but yeah, you're coming from the, for sure. The legal background. It's it, tough. And I, and I see that from MBA people, MBA folks who just join, it's hard, I guess, when you go in without the analyst training, mm-hmm. because uh, those analysts are, I mean, just the reps alone just make them so good. Yeah. But at the same time, you have to realize, um, you know, they don't have always the maturity or the professionalism, and they are not good at project management. Like you have to understand that you have a different role than they do. Yep. Um, so you don't have to be good at everything. You've got to find something you're good at and then have the rest of the team kind of compliment you. 
so that's kind of how I went through it. For me, for myself, it was difficult because I didn't understand all the technicals. It took me about, I think, a good six months for me to mm-hmm. understand all that kind of in, intuitive detail. Yeah. Um, so, you know, how to read a financial statement, even as basic as that, I was starting from score zero. So that took a little bit of time to ramp up, for sure. Sounds like me coming out of a liberal arts background, going into my analyst program. It was brutal. The first six months were brutal. <laughs> Man, that training yeah. not get you ready. Anyways, um, so, <laughs> so you, <laughs> it doesn't. You just need the reps, right? You need the reps. You need to spend yeah. uh, 50 to 100 hours a week in Excel and PowerPoint doing it. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, anyone can learn it, but it just takes time. Yeah, so, okay, so you're kind of going through the associate, you know, after that six months, things are getting kind of easier. You get more confidence. Tell me how, like, things progressed with, like, the promo to, to VP and how long that took, what that was like in terms of, like, your, your superiors telling you, hey, you're doing a great job, or was there any, like, any time you felt like, I'm going to lose my job? Yeah, I think that first year, I thought I was going to lose my job all the time um, mm-hmm. because the hours are brutal. Like, there's no feedback, really. You have to kind of seek it out in investment banking. Yeah. Um, no, one, no one's going to tell you if you're doing a good job or a bad job. Well, I guess they'll tell you if you're doing a good job, but you really don't know if you're doing a bad job until review time. Yeah. And tell me about, uh, tell me about your yeah, review. I, what is that? Six months in? Uh, or earlier. Yeah. I guess the mid year, like they don't really tell you anything. You're mid year. And then at the end of the year, they're like, well, you could have done this and this and this. It's a little unfair. <laughs> and this is why we're going to dock your comp this much, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. But I, just, I was just happy to survive that first year. Um, do you mind sharing uh, so, around, yeah, I think my where, your, around yeah, where your comp was uh, just to give the listeners an idea? Yeah, I think my all in, I think my, so the back then, I think my comp was, um, I want to say it was like 125 base. Mm-hmm. And then I think my, my bonus was around another 100 to 125. So I got about 225 to 250, I believe, around there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, you know, a little bit more than I was getting paid at, at the law firm, but not substantially more. And were you working longer hours? Um, I think I was, I think I was working longer hours at that. Probably because you're there. drinking, probably in the first six months, especially you're like, what the hell am I doing? Yeah. Because I think, because I'm inefficient and I'm, it takes us longer. Yeah. You know, I, you know, I, I think that was probably the big reason why. Okay. So I, I think if you, if you're, uh, if you're probably, you know, better than, than I was, and it, it probably would have been more manageable. Yeah. You know? Okay. So you're, you, you do pretty well actually for that first year. So they, they probably had some decent things to say after that, after year one, like you're getting better. Um, yeah. For sure. And then that second and third year, was it just um, big pay raises because you, I mean, you eventually got promoted. Was it like three years and then the promo? Yeah, it was about, I guess about three and a half years or so before the mm-hmm. promotion. Yep. Yeah, it was a steady increases up. Um, and uh, I think it's just a matter of, you have to understand getting a promotion is also very political. So in the very beginning, I was working with the same people and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have a lot of exposure to the rest of the firm. And I think that kind of hindered my progression or like people didn't know who I was, even though I was there for a while. Yeah. So I think if you want to get promoted, I think you have to, um, you know, have that into consideration. You got to talk to your staffer and try to get on, uh, you know, a broader type of deal so that you're known across the firm and you're trusted. Cause that goes a long way. And, um, and so like you know, that's, that means like getting into M&A, if m is hot, you know, that type of stuff, getting on some of those basically. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Exactly. Or like, or different, different verticals uh, too, if you can get into it, you know, within your, your broader group. Got it. That makes so sense. Yeah, I mean, yeah. so yeah. You, you'd say, I, would you say that's true if like, let's say you're in a certain team in a certain silo and that's like 
the most respected team of the, of the bank and you guys are just crushing it with big deals, I mean, then you're probably going to have a fast track, right? Or no? I think so. Yeah. Well, maybe that's, I think that's probably true. That's, yeah, probably, it, that's probably the case for a bulge bracket. I think I was, I'm coming from a middle market bank where we're not as siloed. We're more kind of free agent. Yeah. And you're, you were still, coming, our, you were still getting, you're still getting siloed in that middle market. So it was almost like you weren't getting exposure, even though it's, it's not even a huge bank, but you still weren't getting that yeah. kind of exposure. And so it was almost more important to be a generalist there and get broad exposure. Yeah, I think so. like, there was no like one so, yeah. place that was as super dominant where like you could ride it up all the way. Uh, well, my bank, uh, you know, especially just has very broad groupings. Kind of, and it's got, got it. uh, you know, like a technology group is like super broad. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, Every, every vertical you can think of is, is part of that. So it's not, it's working with more than one MD basically. Got it. Uh, okay. It's kind of exposure you want to get. Yeah. That's fair. Okay. And so tell me about like how, so you said the pay went up eventually you're making like four or 500, whatever, um, as a VP. Um, but tell me about just like how things shifted and changed with your role. You, obviously you start just managing more and like more hands off from the MDs. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah. So there's more direct communication with the MDs. Uh, you're basically their right hand execution um, mm -hmm. support. So everything's filtered through you. And uh, it's your job to not just crank anymore, it's to actually put thought behind either the marketing materials, the analysis, whatever it may be. Was that hard um, for you or that was easier transition for you? I, think? I liked it more because it's, you have time to actually think. It's a little more know, conceptual. I, I feel like, a, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then the details, you know, um, the analysts and the associates, you know, I had the first pass at figuring that out. And, you know, your, your level of thinking is devoted more to um, kind of structural things, like the more important concepts that you're trying to get across. Can you tell or, to me about that? Know, like, you know, is it like the, the way the deal is structured, you mean? Like in terms of like finding... Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean like, like an analysis structure, like how you want to lay out a model. Got it. Um, this, is, this is how you want to structure it. Um, Got it. It's more, your, your time is more spent on kind of, Framing thinking things. of ways to make make it more intuitive and framing it for for buyers to understand, Fair. more detail oriented. Fair. Okay. So you're doing you're doing a lot of sell side stuff. Yeah, I do a lot of sell sides. Got it. Yeah. Okay. More and more buy sides, but predominantly sell side. Got it. Okay. And then, um, yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Anything else you'd want to share, like in terms of your progression or the things to watch out for? Because you you mentioned something about you know talking to your staff or to try and get on that broader thing. How how do you like navigate those kind of what can be kind of touchy and political conversations did you feel comfortable doing that or just did you do it respectfully how did no. how did you approach it yeah so i'm not a political person at all you know i i, I don't want to i don't like to play the game where you try to support someone who's powerful behind the firm trying to move up i i try to do it my own way and hope people realize and and if they didn't then so be it mm -hmm. so i don't think i'm the best person to get advice from on that front but yeah. i think if you're genuine and you put in the hard work and you try I mean, that's all you can really do. And people will notice it eventually. Yeah. Um, and just be a team player. I know people get really stressed out in banking, but really like it's just money moving around. And if you think <laughs> you take a step back, no one's going to die. And it seems like it's going to end the world, but you know, people get over it. So even if you make a mistake, don't kill yourself over it, move on. Someone's being a jerk then whatever, screw them, just move on. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you, you, I think one of the things is you got to have a thick skin. Uh, to survive in any type of role in finance because it's a very harsh world mm -hmm. um, and nothing's personal. I think that's something that you have to realize and treat your team members with respect. Yeah. And, and no matter who they are. When, and when you say that, like, is it, be, are you saying that because like there were several times where like there was super high pressure stakes on you as an associate or VP, whatever. And like you got screamed at by the client or by the 
the MD or whatever, and everyone's stressed out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So absolutely. Can you share, like, you don't have to give the specifics, but like, can you give me an example? Like there was a busted number in the model and you guys gave a presentation to a client. Is there a story you could share? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I remember we had a Christmas party uh, for our office and then, you know, it's the happy time. Then I get this call from my uh, VP at the time mm-hmm. and uh, we're working with a, um, a pretty growth oriented client. Mm-hmm. Um, so typically a smaller deal than we're used to. So their financials are not very strong and, you know, we have to rely on them to get the support for the data uh, to build the model. And yeah. we're trying to go out to buyers, I think that next week or so, and we're building out this model and the numbers don't tie. Nothing makes sense. We can't explain to the VP, you know, why this isn't working. And I remember it was like, I had like a couple beers felt was feeling pretty good. And then I'm on the phone getting yelled at <laughs> by my VP. Um, and it was not a fun experience. And that was not just a, that was, um, it happened a couple of times, actually, not just on that deal, but you know, other deals. Was that too. in your first six months where you were like panicked? Cause like, it yeah. Made, yeah. And that, that's normal though. Sure. Like, cause you didn't have those, you didn't have the modeling skills yet. Right. And, and I think, yeah, I don't have I'll the modeling skills and also you defer a lot to your client, like the yeah. CFO at the company. Yeah. And, uh, you just take their word for the support. And if you take a step back at it, it doesn't make sense. So uh, I, I had a hard time kind of challenging my client because, uh, and I felt like, you know, they know better than I do, but that's part of your role. Even though you're a kid or you feel like a kid and they're like a grizzled veteran, yeah. you got you to gotta question their, their assumptions. Like especially when it doesn't make sense. You should be able to step back and be like, well, I don't understand <laughs> this. Can you explain this to me? How does this tie, you know, that kind of thing? Yeah, pretty much. For sure. That's it's awesome. important to make things tie. That's awesome. Well, yeah, yeah. it was unfortunately a short, uh, short-lived good time at the Christmas party. But yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, hopefully, uh, I think everyone goes through that. I, I remember in my analyst days, I, I had some really stressful, the first six months, it was the worst. I had a guy who was uh, my associate who had just come from HBS, similar kind of no banking background. I'm clueless because yeah. I'm coming from liberal arts. He's clueless because he oh, yeah. had no background. And it was just like, he's like, I'm going to let you handle the model. I'm like, okay, but I have no clue what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> he's like so go ahead and build i'm like i really have no clue like i don't i don't know what to do um and so i think it was kind of like blind leading blind it was it was bad um eventually oh, yeah, what yeah. ended up happening is the vp eventually just took me and just basically showed me and entered me and he ended up doing a couple other deals and then he ended up getting fired um six months later because i think he was very much like didn't really want to put in, he wasn't exactly a team player, was checking out early. Yeah. <laughs> like this guy, this guy is, it's, it's not going well. Um, and you know, I was working 90, hundred hours. And so like people re- at least recognize that you're trying. Um, yeah. You eventually get it. You eventually get it. So anyways, yeah, it I, feels like you'll never end, but you get it. Yeah. I, I appreciate you being so candid and sharing all this. Any, anything else you want to end, um, end the pod with any, any kind of words of wisdom? I think the, I think you've already shared a lot, but um, anything else that before we call it? Yeah, I think I, I probably said this before, but just be nice to people. Like you're gonna, if you're an analyst, you know, be nice to your associates going out of the MBA program, uh, who who's trying to trying to add value by making you do things what you think is not additive. Like still, just try to take their advice and you know try to learn from them. Um, don't don't uh, don't 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 I guess discredit anybody that you work with, especially your team member, because. Uh, you know, we're all in this together. We're all trying to do the best we can. Mm-hmm. We're trying to try to come at it from that perspective. And uh, I think your experience will be better if you do that. If you can keep that in mind. I love it. 
great go teamwork all right man well thanks so much and uh we'll we'll be in touch we'll talk soon thank you and thanks to you my listeners at wall street oasis if you have any suggestions whatsoever please don't hesitate to send them my way patrick at wallstreetoasis.com until next time Thank you.